You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. everybody. Uh, Stephen Ryan here, gardening show 3CR. Sorry I didn't get the theme music up this morning. I've done the wrong thing yet again, but it would look like I'm going to air, so that's probably the most important thing. So uh, hello and welcome to 3CR Gardening Program. Now this morning I have two old friends on board this morning, which is fantastic. I'm hoping that uh, we'll have lots of interesting things to speak about. Um, Meryl Johnson from Country Farm Perennials. And Seedscape Seeds. And Seedscape Seeds. Now, we better just point out to uh, our listeners that, uh, of course, you your business now is basically about grow, oh, supplying seeds for people. So tell us a little bit about how that all works, Meryl. Ah, oh, it's the most fascinating field. I thought I was going to go into a sort of semi-retirement, quiet life during COVID. (laughs) Well, guess what? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) People are actually really interested in seeds. So we're very, very busy but loving every minute of it. So what we do is we harvest seeds from our own garden, Mm. which is now, dare I say it, about 40 years old. Uh, can't be possibly that. Can't possibly be that. So not so much of the old, please. Um, and we have also just a great range of perennial plants that we've collected over the years. So we harvest from those. But to expand the range of, of interesting flowering plants, we also import seed. And I hasten to add, with the full permission and, and mm. licence of Australia's quarantine service at no small expense to the management. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so we import all sorts of interesting new seeds for Plants that are not ever available or have not been available in Australia or are very rarely mm. available in Australia. And those seeds come from the the most reputable, the highest quality seed merchants and growers in, well, largely Holland, of course, great flower lovers there, um, and also in Germany, in Britain, in US, in Japan. And so we're sourcing some of the most 
interesting plant material from all over the world. And uh, it's just a simple mail order process. So people put their orders in on the website and I send them out the next day. Fantastic. (laughs) But it gives me the chance to grow all sorts of interesting and new things too. So if people want to see what you've got available, what do they do, Meryl? Just dial into the website. It's course seedscape just all one word lowercase dot net dot au and so they can go and look at the current catalogue yep. and put in their orders through if the website. Wish. Yep, fantastic. Well, that's simple enough. Or they can come along to the plant fair. Oh, yeah, hold course. on. No, yes. We've got to do a bit of introduction here. Of course, <laughs> oh. my other guest this morning uh, is Clive Larkman from Larkman's Nursery and also the organiser of the upcoming Rare Plant Fair at Wandon. So good morning, Clive. Morning, Stephen. Morning, Meryl. Yeah. I should have stuck out the highway and put my finger out and got a lift on the way this morning. <laughs> Probably should have. You were both coming from vaguely the same direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. And I love those orange glasses. They match the grey hair really yeah. well. Uh, thanks, Clive. At least I've still got it. You know, yeah, that's that's right. I've still got hair, whereas there's other people around me that haven't. So what can I say? Well, I always found it was amazing. My kids, when they were young... To shave and have level one all the time. Mm. So just be patient. You have level one naturally. Yeah, that's right, exactly. You just got to wait for these things. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, we better start off, we'll go back to it again later in the program, but we better start off by, by advertising what, in fact, is happening next weekend out at Quail Road, Wandon. <clears throat> We've got our Yarra Valley Autumn Plant Fair. Mm-hmm. We run two plant fairs a year, one in autumn and one in spring. And I was thinking about it overnight. What we're trying to do with our plant fair is get all those people who collect plants and don't normally sell them to the public and yes. come and sell them. Mm. Now, some are growers who don't sell to the public because they're growers and they, yeah. they have their own you know, their professional ethics and sell to the trade. And many of those are collectors. And you guys have been around long enough to know some of the growers in Victoria are also passionate collectors. And they've oh, got yes. the stuff of they grow course. commercially and they've got the little, little collections of, of rare and unusual plants. Yep. Just one of our, one of our suppliers... Uh, Marie from Friesburg and her friend have just bought a private collection ah. from the Dandenongs mm-hmm. and they're going to be selling all those. And these are plants that haven't been sold to the public ever before. Fantastic. So we're always trying to get more and unusual plants because that's what makes life fun in the garden, doesn't it? Exactly. Of course it is. <laughs> I mean, we all want to have something different in our gardens that we haven't had before. So, mm. you know, this is the obvious opportunity. But there's going to be lots going on on the weekend, is oh, there oh, yeah, not? Yeah. Apart from just being able to get rare plants. Well, yeah, we've got lots of speakers. It's all about coming and start the Yarra Valley is a beautiful place especially in autumn, and we've got yourself there all day speaking yes. and emceeing the stage. We've yep. got four or five other speakers. We'll have demonstrations. So it's going to be an enjoyable day. Some nice food and wine so you can sit and have a bottle of local wine and sit there and enjoy the view and talk plants. Fantastic. And there's always plenty <coughs> of seating, Clive. I think that's great because mm. when you're a serious plant person, it does take you all day to see everything. Mm. And it can be terribly mm. exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> And we've also got um, we've got our friend John Champion who does dry stone walls. Yeah, he lives down at Coronel. He does a lot of stone walls in the Dandongs. He'll be doing a, a dry stone wall display. We've got another friend who goes to work for us has a landscaping business, mm-hmm. and he's going to be doing some decking. And you can actually buy the deck he has on the display. You can take it home if you want, or he'll deliver it. <laughs> I was going to say taking it home <laughs> might be fun. But it's about showing how easy it is to put a deck in a small urban backyard. Mm. And that's part of what he wants to show, how easy it is and how nice decking is. So yeah. Yeah. there'll be some interesting things. And we've got pots and, and um, statues and sculptures and garden tools and all that, the normal stuff. Yeah. But I think it is you just end up sitting 
No, my wife dies. She goes and wipes and cleans tables. They end up sitting and talking to people for hours just because <laughs> they're all plants people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's part of the job. Yeah. <laughs> but talking it's also people. part of the fun. You meet the most yeah. interesting people and the most... You know, inconspicuous people can sometimes have the most fascinating stories or well, knowledge. Yes. And well, with your seed collection, we've also got um, Ben, who has, was all about landscaping, it's now treasured perennials. Mm. And he, like, he's collecting seed from all over the world and growing and supplying them in pots. And yeah. he's got some really rare and unusual things he that has. haven't been released before. And the thing I love about it too is you're going to see somebody like Ben, he's raised the plants, he knows how they grow, you can go and talk to the person who's raised these things and get the you know, sort of insider information on how to look after them. Whereas exactly. if you go to some of the normal retail nurseries, they might have some nice plants there, but often there's not the same sort of knowledge. advice and knowledge yeah. available. Yeah. And that's what I love about yeah. these fairs because you can actually go and talk to the guy who grew the fruit trees or who grew the rare bulbs or who grew whatever. Yeah. Um, and those people can then um, pass that information on to you and, and you can learn an awful lot and you can be far better equipped to then look after those plants when you take them home. And to understand how they fit with other plants. Mm. Yes. Now, to be fair on, on garden centres, I often amaze at the amount of knowledge the average good garden centre staff mm. member has. Yep. It just we, <clears throat> we work with the plants that we like. Mm-hmm. They've got to work with all the plants, whether they like them or not, in all sorts of different growing areas. And you can pick any suburb of Melbourne and you can go from sand to clay to rock. You oh, can yeah. go from... In to, it's, so their yes. knowledge is amazing. And so it's all this, this amalgamation of knowledge... And what I want to see with our plant fair is that so many of the plant shows now are becoming a place to sell plants. Mm. I want to be passionate about people who collect plants and love plants and love landscapes. And well, the gentleman that sells the tools, Paul, he, he just loves garden tools. He's passionate about <laughs> yeah. them. Mm. And, and that's what I want. We want to capture the passion. Yes. Um, Mifkus is a great place if you want to look at large quality landscaping or flowers, but you won't find people selling really the rare and unusual plants anymore. Things. Yeah. 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 All right, before we go too much further, uh, we'll open up the lines uh, so that people can get in touch with us. If you would like to talk to Clive Merrill and myself about almost anything horticulturally oriented, we'd be very happy to hear from you. And the phone number is 94190155. That's 94190155. If you want to text us, but remember, texting's all very well, but sometimes we need a follow-up question to actually get where we want to go. But... You can text us on 0488809855. So that's 0488809855. So don't hesitate to come on board now. Um, we'll get to your questions as quickly as we can um, because, well, that's what we're here for is to try and help you with your gardening uh, knowledge and uh, help with any problems you might have. So don't leave it till the last minute. We go right through to 9.15, so it's a good long program. So come on board early. We, we'd love to hear from you. So, and Stephen, we should wish all the gardeners a very happy Easter and yes. enjoy those Easter buns. Uh, yes, well, exactly, or the eggs or whatever it is that you actually go for at Easter. <laughs> whatever you eat at Easter. Well, yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, yes, it is Easter. I keep forgetting about it because... I don't know why I should, because we always do something quite irreligious. We have a uh, an Easter egg hunt on Good Friday ah. for all my um, all my great nieces and nephews now, mainly, frighteningly, um, and for neighbours with small mm. children and things. So we, we have a big Easter egg hunt in the garden, which we did on Good Friday. Those are all too old. 
Uh, yes, it's sad, isn't it? Even but, the grandkids are getting too old. Yeah, well, then maybe the great-grandchildren are coming <laughs> along. In they're, 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 they're two, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll all, it'll all hopefully happen. So I keep going out and uh, finding new young couples with children and say, do you want to come, <laughs> come along for on Friday? Yeah, so... Um, oh, boy, that's a dangerous... <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. But anyhow, uh, it seems <coughs> to work and still does, so it's great fun. So I hope everybody's having a good Easter. And... I probably should put in a plug for the things that are going on up at Mount Macedon this weekend uh, and into next week because um, we've been part of what the Macedon Rangers is calling their Autumn Festival and they've got events going on around the Shire and the Mount Macedon Horticultural Society turned a, turns 100 this year and so we've decided to come on board with the Autumn Festival and we've had an art show that's been running for three weekends in a row and t- today is the last day of the art show. We've got nine artists, all who are uh local-ish um, and all involved with the Mount Macedon Horticultural Society, some of whom have been exhibited overseas. It's botanic art, so it's really detailed mm. and beautiful flower paintings. And so it's on at the Mount Macedon Horticultural Hall, which is connected to the golf club. Um, uh, on the left-hand side, as you come up Mount Macedon Road, it'll be open today from 10 till 430 And we've got three events or four events coming up this week, uh, two of which I'm involved in, and there's still seating available at all of them as far as I know. Um, So the best thing to do is to go into the Mount Macedon District Horticultural Society website, go into the events button and have a look. We've got um, a thing we're calling Dreaming Gardens with Michael McCoy, Simon uh, Rickard and myself. Which will be fabulous. uh, On Wednesday, it's a whole day. Uh, we'll be fighting and arguing about who's the better landscaper, I'm sure. Um, and it won't be me because I'm a plantsman, not really a landscaper, but anyhow, I'll have my two pennyworth. Um, and there'll be morning tea, there'll be a light lunch, there'll be afternoon tea, and then there'll be a walk around my garden at the end of the day with a glass of wine. Uh, so that's wine? happening. Well, you know, if you scull it down quickly, we might give you a second one. <laughs> or walk slowly. Uh, or walk slowly, yeah. Uh, so that's on this week, on Wednesday, I think, and on... Thursday, Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday, we've got workshops going on. Mine is the next day, and mine's a propagation workshop. So I'm going to be talking about mainly cutting growing plants, but nonetheless, I'll be touching on seeds and, and practically everything else. So it's a day workshop, which will include lunch. Um, so go in and have a look at what's there. We've got a florist doing a floral demonstration at some stage during the week. Uh, we've got another guy from um, uh, Central Victoria who makes things out of grape cuttings and things, you know, balls of, of interest out of the cut-offs oh, from, yep. from your garden. So, you know, how to turn garden rubbish, basically, into a piece of artistic work. And Greg's um, workshops are really fun, so you might like to get involved in that one. So we've got all those things happening, um, and uh, as I said, the art show finishes today, so do jump in the car and come up. And Mount Macedon's looking gorgeous at the moment. There's oh, so much colour. I can't yeah. wait to go. Yeah, so there's, you know, the oaks are really turning beautifully in Honour Avenue. Um, the maples are turning up on the mount. The dogwoods are going, you know, so practically everything's turning. Uh, the tulip trees and the ginkgos are all going lovely golden yellows. So over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a really lovely time to go and have a look. So don't hesitate to um, to come up to Macedon. And as I said, today's the last day of the art show. The artworks are for sale. They've also got prints and they've also got... Um, uh, they've also got uh, greeting cards, mm. so lovely uh, botanic art greeting cards. So there's something for everybody's budget. So that's up at Mount Macedon and... Uh, 
yes, we've got events and things happening probably throughout the year one way or the other to commemorate our 100th birthday, which I think is quite a... It's quite a, a milestone, isn't it? It is. I mean, we're not certainly not the oldest garden club in the state. I mean, the Royal goes back over 150 years. Yes. And uh, some of the big country towns like Bendigo and Ballarat and so forth have got garden clubs that go back even even further than we do. Uh, I think Kyneton's 125 or thereabouts. Yes. So, um, but when you think about it, uh, starting in 1922, making it to 2022 um, is and not And it's bad. a very active club oh, with yeah. all sorts of interesting things yeah. going on. Well, of course, We've got our own plant fair coming up in October, so yes. that's now going ahead this year. We've Hooray, had a, a hiatus of two years where we haven't been able to run it. Um, so that's going to happen again uh, in October. Uh, so there's, you know, oodles of stuff to, to do. So there you go. Um, all right, we... Remember, please do ring in. We'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Uh, Clive, we might start with talking about one or two plants you've got because you've got some interesting greenery on your side of the screen there. We have. We've got... Um, can I just backtrack? We've got our rare plant auction. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about the auction. Uh, what we decided to do was because so many people have unusual plants, we thought, mm. well, let's auction them off on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Steve's the auctioneer. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be fun. And, Yay. and he's donating his commission to which charity? Oh, uh, I'm involved quite deeply and have been for many years in an organisation called Okoko. It's had a name change recently. It used to be Gertrude Opera. It's now the Australian Contemporary Opera Company. And it takes young people who have finished their university degrees and want to go into opera. Just think how hard an an occupation that is to get into. I mean, no matter how good you are, you've got to have luck on your side and all sorts of things. And they spend 12 months with a cocoa and they get polished and given a little bit of information on which direction they should be heading into, you know, should it be light opera. Yeah, and starting contacts and things. And they also get some public performances. And last Sunday they had one in our garden at Macedon uh, and we had eight gorgeous young people who got fantastic voices uh, who came up and did some uh, arias and things in our garden, which was just lovely. So we tend to do that every year where we can. So... The um, a percentage of the sales of what I auction, and I believe we're going to have some fairly rare and interesting stuff. Yep. So yes. I expect people to pay through the nose for them. <laughs> we're hoping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, a percentage of that will go back to a cocoa to help those young people get mm. get away in their artistic career because and, I think it's just and that's so important. After the last two years, must have been incredible. Oh, difficult. anybody in the arts. I mean, it's you just know, pitiful. Yeah. So you know, a lot of us struggled one way or the other. Although I have to say, the nursery industry <coughs> did reasonably well because people were. Gardening the still. People stayed home uh, and garden. Yeah, exactly. But we but also forget our granddaughter is 12, 12, and she did ballet. She did it three days a week. Yeah. For two years, no primary school, no ballet, no netball. That's mm. right. And Very for an 11, 12 year old, yeah. it's a big slab. We, we found her one day just sitting in a room almost crying. She just didn't know how to deal with life. Yeah. So we think of the arts as being those making a living at it, but they're all the, the amateurs yeah. that will do it at home. It's yeah. their, their, their it's stress. It's the joy yeah. of life. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, so that's what's yeah. going to happen. So a percentage <coughs> of the sales will go back to a cocoa, and I'm looking forward to it. It's great fun having uh, a plant auction, particularly mm. if you've got something really, really worthwhile that people are going to want. Well, well I hope so. Look, I'll, I'll run through. We've got a, a Masonia. This mm. is from the, that rare plant collection they've written in the Dandongs. That's a, a South African hedgehog lily. This mm. one's called Nova, which has never been re- released in Australia. 
We've got a, an or, a piranha pine. That's yeah. an angust, Orocheriangustifolia, which is a pine that goes well like a parasol. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. Amazing looking. Yeah. Beautiful thing. Mm. Um, a fruiting jaboticaba. Mm-hmm. That's the um, Brazilian berry with little black berries on the side of the tree. Oh, yes, yes. That's from Rainers. They've got to put that up. We've got two beautiful bonsai, 15-year-old. Um, Chinese elm and a 15-year-old uh, portulaca. Oh, fantastic. <coughs> We've got um, Philip Vaughan's bringing down a mature grafted verticordia grandis in full flower. Plus, we've got some our iris friends. Now, we do the quarantining for irises for these people, and they bring them in from the American breeding season. Mm-hmm. They bring them in here for um, our breeding season in Australia. So they've got two plants there donating, a blood lily, and um, two rare Japanese tree peonies, a shimani chojaraku and shimi nishiki. Oh, that'll, that'll stretch Whoa. me. <laughs> I'll say it's that one over there with the Japanese name on it. <laughs> so, uh, but anyhow, that sounds fantastic. So they're, they're really all very, quite rare. Mm. And like the bonsais are worth over $1,000 each. So mm. they're quite, quite and, valuable. And this could be the chance of either doing a great donation to an excellent charity mm. or getting a bargain, <laughs> depending on how good oh, Stephen's auctioning I, I, is. I'm not sure I'm going to let anybody get away with too I, much I, of a bargain. Some <laughs> of these are quite rare and they won't be going for nothing. No, they, they um, have a reserve yeah. on them. Yeah, yeah, because they are really rare and beautiful yeah. plants. And I think sometimes we don't, the average person doesn't get a chance. Mm. I remember many years ago when I was raising money, I had a, a um, what's the, the painter from Mildura away from Griffith? Pro Heart. Oh, I had a yeah. Pro Heart drawing to auction, and one of our staff bought it. She got the $800. She said, that was a lot of money. She said, but I rarely ever get a chance as an average person to buy something like that. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. that's what they were proud of, just being a chance to buy it. And some of these you just won't, you'll never see. Yeah, mm. that's so, right. They're fantastic. one-offs. All right, we've got a couple of calls that have come oh, through. Goody. So we better, well, they're not calls per se. They're text messages that have come through. Um now, Gillian has emailed um, and would like information regarding propagating native plants from cuttings, and she specifically mentions Carimbia physifolia, eucalyptus casea, and also calistamins. You won't grow any of the eucalypts from cuttings, cuttings really. No, no there's, <clears throat> there's been a lot of work done in, in the, uh, around the world for the mass forestry, and they're getting some prospect. But no, they're all done by graft, if you, yeah. and... Um, you need to find a specific person that's good at grafting eucalypts, which are fairly mm. rare, and that's why they're expensive to buy those mm. those um, coloured ones from the nurseries. Yeah, and mm. so as far as eucalypts and <coughs> and carimbias, which are basically sort of eucalypts, yeah. uh, and always were once, yes, once, <laughs> uh, uh, you really need to get those as grafted plants. So you're not really going to be able to grow them that way. You can raise them from seed, of course, but growing seed of some of those eucalypts, you'll get you, a mixed batch okay. of seed. Casia comes pretty true to yeah. form. Or the Silver yeah. Princess. Yeah. If you get seed of that, you'll get pretty consistently. Yeah. But the the coloured carimbias, they're not going to They're going to be all no. varied yeah. in Yeah, colour. you can end up with a white one. You and you can end, end up with, with a 40 metre one or a 2 metre yeah, one. Yeah, well, exactly, yes, because they'll vary in their dimensions mm-hmm. as well. Calistamins could be grown from cuttings and are commercially grown from cuttings. So you'd use semi-hardwood most, cuttings. Most of them are and semi-hardwood. Yeah depending on how much humidity you can give the plant as to how soft it can go. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, yeah, so if you've got a facility where you've got a fogger or a mister or something Ooh. like that, you can go reasonably Wait soft. Wait till the new soft growth just starts to harden. Mm. Take a cutting Perfect just below time. where it goes hard, trim it off, wound it, put it in some rooting hormone, and you'll get 100%. Yeah. Do 2,000, you'll get 1%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that seems to be the way these things work as well. So I hope that helps, Gillian. It's, uh, there are some plants that you just can't do from cuttings, particularly in the home situation, mm. and that's why you still need nurserymen out there to actually grow some of these things and organise it for you. 
Now we've had a text in from the Geelong Botanic Gardens. Um, they've got a National Trust Heritage Walk on Sunday the 24th of April at 2pm. Uh, it's a gold coin donation and you meet at the garden steps. So that shouldn't be too hard to do. And it's certainly worthwhile having a look at some of the beautiful heritage trees yes. in that garden. I it's mean, a beautiful garden. It's a lovely garden. And the setting is gorgeous. Yeah. And all of their new 21st century garden area is yep. stunning. And yes. then you walk into the old part of the garden and here's that amazing ginkgo growing there which is on the national register yeah. uh, and quite a number of other interesting trees there's a Chilean wine palm there are all sorts of interesting stuff so that's on the 24th of April uh, at 2pm so if you're in Geelong or heading down that way just I'd one certainly thing, recommend it. At our Herb and Chilli Festival mm-hmm. we had gold coin donations for the CFA to taste the chilli for cook-off oh yeah a lot of people don't carry gold coins. Yeah. So if you're heading down that way, remember to put a couple of gold coins in your pocket before you leave home. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yes, it's getting to that point where, in fact, that, the treasurer of our Horticultural Society the other day said, do you think we should actually get an FPOS machine for meetings because people pay two bucks when they come in, visitors pay five. Um, you will need it. Yeah, and yeah. it's getting to a point where yeah, people just don't pay, the money. carry the cash, mm. unfortunately. Mm. I quite like a little cash coming through occasionally. Um, so anyhow, so that's the Geelong one i've got a couple of other things that we should mention um if people are interested we've got a couple of double passes to give away uh from the open gardens victoria people um uh, so you need to perhaps take down some details if you ring us here at the station um our fabulous guy, Doug Outside, will take your details so that um, you can be emailed your information about your um, double passes. Now, the two gardens we've got open this coming uh, weekend are Colburn Springs, which is at Reedsdale. So we're talking about a couple of countryish gardens. Mm. Um, it's a large garden that started life as sheep, sheep paddocks, um, and it was started in 2004. Um so, uh, and the main criteria are drought tolerance and a habitat for birds. So that could be a really it's a interesting garden, one. garden, actually. Uh, so that's 866 Colburn Park Road, Reedsdale. Um, and uh, so they'll be both open on the 23rd and 24th. So if you don't happen to be going to the plant fair at Wandon, mm-hmm. or you do the plant fair on one day and you can go, the out to the, yeah, yep. go to the other both. ones uh, on the other day. And the other one is the Barwittian Garden at 35 Fern Street, um, Barwhite, which is near Mansfield, apparently. Um, And it's a garden by a garden designer and artist and his partner, uh, a photographer. And so they're combining all their talents uh, to combine colours and textures, a wonderful selection of perennials, grasses, trees and shrubs, being combined purposefully to challenge our perceptions of a garden. Now, it's $10 entry, $6 students, children under 18 free. For more information on the gardens, go to the Open Gardens Victoria website at opengardensvictoria.org.au. But if you want to get a free double pass to either of those gardens, uh, ring us here and we'll take your details and the Open Gardens Victoria will be in touch with you and let you know how you can get in. Uh, it sounds like a good day trip to me. So mm, yes. if people Beautiful can do country. that, that would be really good. And Teslas have given me some free uh, entries for the Kabloom Festival, um, which finishes on the 25th. Uh, if anybody's interested, I've got five admit to Mm. tickets. Which is actually a a sizable, I think it's worth about 
each to get in. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so they're well worthwhile if you're looking for something to do over, uh, well, today or well, next you week. Can actually, you can actually go to the plant fair, then up to Tesla's. It's only about seven or eight minutes drive from one to the you're other. Right, they're quite yes. close by, aren't yes. they? Yeah. We, we went up to Kabloom last weekend and had a took their granddaughter. It was a love. The, the flowers are just beautiful, as yeah. you can imagine. Yeah. Yes, it's just a knockout. So I've got five of those passes. You'll probably need to come and collect them here. Uh, so probably they're not much going to be much good for you today because there won't be anybody in the office. But if you wanted them for next weekend, we'll leave them here. And if you ring and give your details to Doug, uh, we'll make sure that they're around so that you can go off to the Tesla Kabloom event. Um, so there you go. So there's the freebies for today. Now, Clive, we still haven't talked yes. about any of your plants. <coughs> Well, we've got some interesting ones. We have just, you know, we do plant importing. Yeah. And um, we just had a, a new shipment come out of quarantine on Saturday. Ah. And the gentleman is a German guy, and he lives in Germany seven, 10 months of the year, two months of the year in Melbourne. And he imports Anthurium clairvanium, I'll never get it right, mm-hmm. plus a few other Anthuriums from Ecuador via Germany. And he's offered to allow us to sell five of them at the plant fair. Ooh. And I brought one in to show you. They're beautiful plants. The foliage um, is just drop-dead gorgeous. It's a really dark, soft green, velvety mm. green, a bit like an alocasia, but soft, deep green. The new foliage is copper, bronze, beautiful copper, and these lovely little flower heads, which are like a just a, a, a little rat tail with little flowers on it. I'd say it looks like a rather large green chocolate bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does a bit like that, but yeah. Yeah, if you know what I mean. <coughs> and, um, uh, so this one only came out of quarantine on Sunday. Ah, really? So it's just and been released. that's going to be available. Yeah, I, f- we're going to have five of them available. He's, he's, wow. We're selling them on his behalf. All oh, right. Mm. Um, just because he's, he's got a few le- left over. But mm. um, he's one of the men, people that does it honestly, imports all his plants through quarantine, does it properly. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Well, he, that's certainly a stunning-looking thing. Yes. I assume being an anthurium, it would need to be kept as an indoor or a greenhouse plant. Um, indoor, mm. it likes deep shade yeah. and moist. Yeah. So mm. the bathroom is fantastic. Anywhere in the house, it's away from the windows. Mm-hmm. So once it gets going, this is a very tough one. Yeah. Remember, this, this spent... <clears throat> well, he had some problems with his courier company. This spent three weeks in a box. Oh, no. <laughs> then it came out along with 100 other plants. Then it came out and got gas with methyl bromide. <laughs> oh. Then it spent five months in our quarantine tunnel. Mm. So it's still looking pretty happy. Well, it's, it's looking really happy, <laughs> I would have said. Yeah, yeah so very interesting looking yeah. plant. So people will be able to see that and if they're lucky, purchase one yeah. up at the plant fair next yeah. weekend. But they are. It's a beautiful plant. It's, yeah. um, I'm quite Stunning impressed thing. with them. I do love some of the leaves of some of those um, plants from South yeah. America. Well, that... yeah. <coughs> That's a funny thing. To me, I'm thinking of anthuriums as those plastic-looking flowers that yeah. we had for decades in the, in the florist. Yeah. They're now very similar to the, the philodendrons and the monsteras mm. out, of, out of Ecuador, and they have these amazing forms. And he's lovely, man. He's, he's partnering up with an Ecuadorian export company oh, right. that won't touch Australia, mm. but they go to Germany, and he's trying to develop a relationship so he can bring all these Ecuadorian orchids, terrestrials, and um, yeah. aroids out of Ecuador via Germany into Australia. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And cool. some really nice And it's ones. nice to think we're having the opportunity to see some new plant material still coming into the country. Because yeah, yes. It has got rather hard to bring it's things in over the very, years. Very, so. very difficult. Well, as you know, we run and, one. And rightly so. We, we have to protect our biosecurity. We, we do. We do. And we run one of the very few 
commercially available quarantine facilities for people who want to bring plants in. So if you're thinking about bringing plants in, please do not just order them online. No, it's not going to work. If they do finally come through the system and you get them, you could be bringing some pretty nasty disease into the country, which could cripple our agriculture. Yeah, exactly. You could be fined $2,000, and the odds are they won't even get past the border. No, they won't even progress, no. And some of the the vendors in the Asian and African-American countries either refuse to deal with Australia or they'll just sell them to you and knowing that bad luck, they're yeah, never going to revive. They know you'll never get the plants, but they don't care because they've got their money. Yeah, well, that's so, exactly right. They get it at their end and then they'll send it off in the post and, yeah, um, to hell with the consequences. It goes in the incinerator. There's a, a website called Bicon. You have to type, do a Google on B-I-C-O-N. It's a government one and that's where you, you can find all the import conditions and yeah. apply for your import permits. Which I think is, yes, is obviously the way to go. So so that's fantastic. All right, so... Well, we've got another, <coughs> hello, Casuarina, called Stingray. I wonder why. Yeah. I mean, That's what, bizarre. I was going to ask you about yes. the weird leaf shape on this. Yes. It's certainly bizarre. It looks just like a stingray. It's it got does. the nice wide um, it's leaves. It's got the wings. It's got the wings and it's got this long pointy tail sticking at the top of it. Goodness me. So where does that one originate? Do we know? I'm assuming it's a cultivar, so it's um, something that's shown up in cultivation. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. I, I don't know whether it came out of Asia or Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring them in this tissue culture and we start growing from that way. And So... Or it could have even come out of India. There's a lot of tissue culture labs around the world doing all these plants. Yeah. So it's quite a weird and unusual one, part of yeah. our new, our bigger indoor range. Then we go to some really old-fashioned conventional ones, nasturtiums. I love Nothing the old... wrong with nasturtiums. And they're delicious to eat. I grow them just to eat them in salads. And the foliage is fantastic. And I remember my first met my wife who would argue with me about things and she kept saying... What, she stopped? Well, what a surprise. <laughs> she told me, capers come from nasturtiums. I said, no, they no, don't. They said, don't. yes, they do. And we had this very long argument about a year yeah. before I could show her a caper bush. Mm. Um, but you can make caper-like yes, things but not out of the cool. nasturtiums. Yeah, they nasturtium. can be they yeah. can be a pretend caper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But this is one called black velvet, which has got a very dark burgundy flower, which is mm. really, really attractive. They are so easy to grow, aren't they? I, I grow them in my pots along the front veranda mm. so I can harvest the leaves yeah. and the flowers to eat. But I think they look stunning cascading out they of a, a big pot and that black velvet, it's got... Mm. And the foliage is nice. It's easy to grow. Great colour. <coughs> you almost can't kill it. It's, yeah. it's, um, yep. it's a great simple plant. And mm. Sometimes we do have to remember that some of the simple plants were popular and simple for good reasons. That's right. Oh, exactly. They've lasted for, well, sometimes centuries in mm. gardens because they are so damn good. Mm. Well, one of the things that came out of COVID is a lot of people have gone to gardening almost back. They, they garden when they are children with their parents. Yes. Mm. They haven't gardened since then because they've been too busy. Life just takes over. Then all of a sudden they've gone back into the garden and they don't want the latest new chrysanthemum out of Europe. They want the old-fashioned the chrysanthemum. Good old that, grandma's um, plants, yeah. Because they, they remember them as being tough and easy to grow. They looked good in every, any garden place anywhere in Melbourne, and that's what they want. I mean, right across the country, we're finding that reversion back to the really old, simple you know, gold colonina. Yeah. Unfortunately, they got such a bad name because every house that was built between 1990 and 1995 had gold colonina. Yeah, and but then the smell is lovely. I love yeah. the scent of the foliage. And the brilliant gold leaves. They were a good plant. They were just overdone. Badly used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good plant, yeah, yeah. badly used, yep. And here's another interesting one. Have a little smell of that, Meryl. This is a banana mint. Yep. Oh, yum. I love bananas. Oh, it does smell banana-y. Just like that (laughs) banana lolly, doesn't it? I Mm. got chocolate mint from you 
Oh, I love that thing. Yeah. Cho- chocolate yes, mint me. chopped up onto vanilla ice cream. It is so good. It's really chocolatey. B- the banana mint. No, no. <laughs> Stephen's looking very, I mean, <laughs> very bemused. I'm I not, tell you, I'm not chocolate sure that it tastes good. exactly like bananas, but it certainly it smells, smells like bananas. When, banana. when I first smelled it, I thought, how did they get banana into the mint? Or what actually, because we, our business is herbs and we mm. have so many unusual scented ones. How many people walk around all day sniffing herbs? Oh, here's a mutant. This one's got banana flavour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Who does that yeah. job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some targeted breeding, but the summer it's just going around sniffing them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that smells a bit different. We'll give that a different name. Yeah, yeah. and look, that's what uh, quite a lot of good plants just show up in cultivation and, yeah. and you just need somebody who's observant enough to notice to that it's it. Um, yeah. And then you can commercialise it. So, well, you can try. Yeah. Well, you can try, yes. <laughs> yes, I have to say I've got one growing in the garden at home at the moment and I don't know whether many of you follow me on Facebook and Instagram and all those things, but I've got a variegated tetrapanax that's thrown itself up in my garden. And it's well, that must have yes, come I, from I, us. I, no. No, it just mm-hmm. did no, it itself. I've, I've had normal tetrapanax in the garden mm. for years and this one's now yeah. about a metre and a half tall. It's got huge leaves. There's great patches of yellowy white through it and it is stunning. But the Is issue, it holding true? Is it, it, this plant is, but yes. will it come up from suckers from its own root system yeah, variegated? True. And yes. therein is the issue. Yes. Probably not. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm um, going to have a crack at some root cuttings and see if anything happens. See if it throws And true. see if any ha- natural... Root- have you tried pinching out the centre bud to try and force it to branch? Uh, no, it looks too good. <laughs> I, uh, but, I mean, it's one of those plants that if it did stabilise, and, and certainly the, the plant that's come up is stable... Mm. But because it's one of those plants that suckers, unless it suckers throw up variegated, I can't yes. see that it's going to have any real garden. Well, no, it also depends on the variegation. Um, there's two types. There's that speckle variegation that goes right throughout the leaves. Yeah. That's more likely to come up through the suckers. Well, this like is that. what it is. It's got patchy variegation. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm going to show you. As against you... like solid lines of variegation, like half and half or a third and a quarter, yeah. that will come up with green leaves and white leaves. Yes. Yeah. There's an asarum called winterwood that Mm. does that. Um, You you have to keep weeding out the green bits to to keep. It's a beautiful variegation. As you say, half and half leaves, half cream, half green. They're the hard ones. They're the really hard ones to manage. And it's it's a beaut thing for deep shade because it really sparkles and lights up. In God, that looks just like the fats you've variegated too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's beautiful. That's Uh, very pretty. uh, Yes, I've seen it on Stephen. That's a very pretty variegation. It's not the yucky. Like, I no, it's not. In no, fact, some might, variegations no. can be measly, but yeah. well, they're others not, are they're, beautiful. They're not worth it if they're not a proper variegation, I don't think. But my offside that works on the um, YouTube channel with me, Matthew, is a decidedly non-variegated man. <laughs> he, he has this thing about variegations. And so I showed him that the other day and he went, oh, I have to say it's pretty spectacular. Mm. Uh, <laughs> not his sort of plant, but very spectacular. And I made him, and it'll show up in the next couple of weeks, I made him do with me a program on variegated plants. Uh, so I just threw them at him and, uh, and I showed him all sorts of different variegations and explained what they were about and which ones you could use where and all that sort of stuff. I think I've turned his head a little bit. They are, some I, people absolutely hate them. And many years ago, I was involved, as a botanist, I didn't like them, but as a plant person, I started to like them. Yeah, and I started meeting some Japanese and American variegated plant collectors, yeah. and they just want those. And the passion for them is amazing. And there's some really interesting variegations out yeah. there. I, I love variegated plants that are deep shade lovers mm. because yeah. it does give 
colour. life and yeah. interest and colour. And have you ever noticed that people who don't like variegations, you know, they make the big deal about, mm. oh, they're so vulgar and it's mm. a disease anyway and blah, blah, blah. They'll nearly always make an exception for variegated grasses and variegated hostas. Yes, indeed. You know, they're and still I, tasteful. I, I don't I waste my time things. talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love having an argument with them. I think it's great fun. I love things with a, like a silver or a white edge mm. to the leaf mm. because it is distinctive. I don't like measles, but I, I like yeah. a clear shape yeah. statement. Living in a range of San Severia out of China with beautiful gold edges. Yeah. And they look really stunning yeah. as the gold well, edge comes up. I mean, look at the the leaves of, say, cyclamen. Graecum or Cyclamen mm, mm, cum and the, mm. the leaf colours and variations and patterns and lacing mm. in those is just stunning. Yeah. And of course, none of that's virus. That's natural. No, no, leaf that's, that's quite, yeah. quite the, natural and was, absolutely stunning at this the time plant, of the year. Euonymus pialino. Yes, we brought that in from from Europe, oh, two thousand, and it was about four years after we brought in before the variegation came back because mm. the gas mm. can kill the virus in it. Mm. It took that long to come back to the system. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's a long-term commitment. Yeah. Yes. Well, we had the plans. So something's gone wrong. It must come, it's got to come variegated eventually, and it did. And it's, but that, they are lovely plants. They add colour. They add form. And I just think it's well worth growing them just for the, the interest's sake. Yeah. Yes. yeah I, I've got a soft spot for them, but I have to say I have seen a few variegated things out there, and I think now that should have gone into the compost. Or, or bad colour combinations yeah. in variegations. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Nandina out there I've noticed uh, sometime in the last 12 or 18 months with little bits of sort of pinky white freckling through the mm. leaves. It just looks sick. It just looks sick. Yeah. I mean, it's not strong enough to actually have much impact. You've got to go up really close to it to, to see even it. see it. Uh, and, and as an yeah. overall effect, it just looks a yeah. bit and past so, its best. Yeah, it just <laughs> looks ill. And so I don't understand why people thought they should release that one. And I'm sorry if you were the person who released no, no, that no. one. But <laughs> it's just, you know, it's always personal opinion, these things. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was... A, a very ordinary looking plant, but yes, I can get quite excited by good variegation. Yes. I have to say, yes. yeah, if they give, as you said, colour in a dark grey spot is yeah. really quite pretty. I wouldn't too. necessarily want a whole garden of variegated plants. Oh no, you've got to That'd use be a bit hectic. Discretion. Mm. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I um, had a client years ago. I haven't seen him for ages. Called Dennis, and he lived somewhere around Essendon, and he was a variegated collector, mm. and he actually had a variegated. Tetrapanax at one stage he told me about and then he promptly killed it or lost it or oh. something or another. Uh, but he'd go around nurseries and he'd find a little variegated mm. eucalyptus seedling in amongst all of the others in, in there mm. and he'd drag that out and take it home. And apparently his whole garden was all variegates. It'd be a bit frenetic, shall yeah, we yeah, say? Your, your eye certainly wouldn't know where to go. You know, <laughs> no, it's got to be used as a highlight. But he had a passion for them and he enjoyed them and yeah. he loved them. Well, why not? And at the end of the day, it's his garden and exactly. his passion. So I might not have liked his garden had I seen it, um, but that doesn't but matter. But he had enormous fun. Yeah, and that's but, what but it's, it's about, about the collecting. On TV last night, there was someone collecting sneakers. Mm. And, yeah, you know, if that... The, the, the tweet in America that goes with the Kardashians, if he put this pair of sneakers on, they're worth $2.5 million. Nah. And, but it's, it's collecting. And yes. we have plants come through our quarantine facility that are worth <clears throat> five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000. People say, why? Say, because it's collecting. Mm. They've got the only one of that plant in the country or the only yes. one in the world. And yeah. it, that's what it's all about. And mm. Anything that gives you passion and enjoyment in life it's, it's got to be good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And, and anything to do with plants and seeds, it's about life, isn't it? It's mm. about being positive yeah. and looking and forward. And I'd much rather and... people spend money on a really rare plant for their garden than a pair of sneakers, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting you say that propagation. 
I'm, I'm the international part of the international plan. Probably go to society, and our Geelong conference is next year. Mm. Supposed to be 2020, then 2021. Oh, oh yes, now we're it's 2023. Delay, yes. So I'm getting to do it now because the guy who was doing has walked away from it. Mm. And I've come up with a theme because in our society we've been focused on ornamental horticulture, mm. and to me, we're working with a garlic producer, and I'm working with a carnation producer, and I'm working with other food producers. I think there's a big world out there. Yeah, sure. And if you think about it. It's only through plant propagation that we can live in cities. Because mm. it wasn't until we started propagating plants that we're able to stop being nomadic and start to settle down. Yep. And so the theme is um, propagation essential for life. Mm. And it is. So Well, I mean, look at the without way Without going to the have, obvious part of it. Mm. Yeah. Look at the way people have turned to edible plants mm. and just growing veggies, yep. which is the greatest joy. I have to say, this was the best tomato season I've had in a decade. <laughs> I don't know why. It was a great tomato season. And it's funny because I didn't put any in because we heard that it was going to be a La Nina and I thought our season's <laughs> too short as it is. Uh, so I didn't even plant tomatoes this year. I, just, I had I, a good crop of sweet corn. I've done well with a lot of other stuff, but I just didn't even put them in. Well, really. I think my secret this year was big black pots mm. and facing north. So they got all the, all the heat. They got it. all yeah. the heat in the mm. soil, but of course... Being in a prominent place where I walk every morning to the Chook House, they got watered every morning. Mm. So regular moisture, plenty of yeah. food, and food, mm. nice warm mm. soil in the black pots. Triumph well, at last. Well done. <laughs> well, did you know, interesting, I did a paper in China in 2018 on the history of garden centres. Mm. And we have to thank the supermarkets for gardening. Mm. Because up until the event, development of the supermarkets in the 50s, most families had to grow their extra corn and tomato because they, didn't, they couldn't just go down to a shop on a Saturday morning mm. and buy all these fresh veggies. And once the supermarkets came through, all of a sudden we weren't relying on Dad to grow the corn and the tomatoes and the silver beet for us. Mum could buy it so we could start playing around with ornamental plants. And that's when the garden centres and the whole garden industry went from being something for the elite or the, mm. or the wealthy to just part of everybody's life. Everybody's life, yeah. There you go. It's another way of looking at it. I hadn't even thought of it that way. We better just mention the numbers again because there's nobody calling in at the moment, so I'm not quite sure what you're You did turn it on, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. we're on. (laughs) The little thingo's going up and down. But but do you have someone ringing you to say, just ring, you know, just where you are, we can hear you? Yeah, it has happened. <laughs> You're not on air, Stephen. Oops. Um, if anybody would like to ring in, and we've had a couple of text messages, oh, in, so right. there are people that are out there listening to us, I'm sure. Uh, please ring us on 94190155 or text us a message on 0488809855. And we are the gardening show on 3CR Radio, and we're here every week from 7.30 to 9, or 9.15. And I'm down here around about every second week so um uh you know give us some love come on on board and ring us up tell us about what you've got going on in your garden it doesn't always have to be um problem driven no No. yeah because no it's one of the troubles most of the time it's not problem yeah well exactly and so you know it's the trouble with radio is that you are inclined because it's a a a very immediate thing people are oh i've got trouble with this or whatever so they ring up and that's that's fine i mean we're happy to answer people's questions and problems but gardening's all about the joy of it. Mm. And, you know, I'm a great believer if something's not working, I hoik it out and start again. Because With something different. I don't want my garden full of hospital cases. It would only make me feel guilty. <laughs> so if something isn't working, but I take it, it out. But is the challenge of growing something where you're not supposed to be able to grow it? Too. Oh, I do that too. Yeah, I, we I, all have to have those little adventures. There's a, a term in America which I love because the Americans... <laughs> 
are very into their zones, how yes. their zones work throughout America yes. for the different climatic zones. Yeah. Very it's organized. a very useful <coughs> thing. It is a useful uh, thing. But there's a lot of plant growers in America who say they're in zonal <coughs> denial. <laughs> so, they're in zonal denial. denial, so they're they're growing things that shouldn't grow in their yeah. zone, and they all love it. They all love growing something <coughs> that they shouldn't have. Yes, so so it works really really well. Um, now, now I'm thinking of planting broad beans yeah. this week. Is it the right time? It would be the right time mm. if I could get some blasted seed. Nobody locally We've got seed. Have you? I'm, I want some this coming weekend because I have not been able to get any broad bean seed locally in any of the the nurseries. Or no, the, there's, a, there's a massive world shortage of it. Yeah, fortunately, we tracked it down from a rare a, a backyard seed supply because we were desperate for our pots. Yeah, so you can pick up some broad beans on next weekend. I want you to put some aside for me. All right. Yep. Uh, no broad beans. Uh, are yeah, going broad in. beans are going yeah. in. We've I'll, been I'll be... saving ours from year to year for many years. Yeah, well, I probably should be doing that. They're I mean, very I, successful. I save my garlic year after year and <coughs> yep. replant it again. One of the, yes. Um, Trivia on broad beans. It's one of the oldest cultivated plants that hasn't yes. changed. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Over eight thousand years, we've been growing broad beans without. Without breeding or selection, just broadly. Well, they're so damn nice you don't need to. So, oh, good. I'm glad I'm going to be able to get some from you next weekend because I've been starting to get desperate. I've got the bed ready to put them in. Mm. Uh, I've dug it over. Uh, I've put some compost in it. It's all ready to go. And broadies in. And I want to get my broad beans in. And sweet peas in. Yes, sweet peas in. Uh, I'll be planting my garlic shortly. Yes, uh, I've got garlic ready to go. Yeah, so all those things. And parsnips in. Mm, Well done. Uh, mm. Yeah, parsnips and me don't get on terribly well together. I don't have oh, good luck with them. They're a bit of a long-term project, yeah. but boy, are they good! Yes, right. we've got a couple of calls that, are, or a couple of uh, calls that have come in. So this is really good. Let's start by going to Anne in Ascot Vale. Good morning, Anne. Oh, good morning. A couple of things I might like to discuss with you. Yeah. Um, first of all. Uh, I want to cre- I want to uh, prune a big Japanese maple about four um, meters. Is that possible? Ooh. Yeah, it's very possible, but you'll ruin the shape of the maple, mm, and it might die too. They don't take to pruning. Yeah. Extra what happens well. if if you cut a maple back and it reshoots? It's inclined to send out quite strong water shoots, and it loses that beautiful sort of fanny natural mm. habit of a maple. I've been known to thin them. I've been known to lift the canopy up. Yes, but likewise. I don't fiddle with my big the main branches. No. I, I'm, I'm. What do you call those things where people are pagans? I've just, I just chop the heck out of it. Mm. <laughs> so with the fish pond and the kookaburra is using as a bait ran to eat the fish. I just chop the branches off. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm talking four-inch branches. Didn't bother it. Yeah, you but can take it's about whole shaping. Out, mm. yeah, mm. but they don't like getting their length trimmed. Yeah, back. and they don't look good. I had a Japanese maple in our rental next door to us that the tenant, for some reason or another, decided to prune, and he cut it back like an old apple tree. Just sort of chopped all the limbs mm. off. Took me eight years to get the shape and form back again. Yeah, but the other, the other go thing, ahead. Anne. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is croaky this morning. The other thing, I haven't had a crepe myrtle. I was told I could prune it back very hard, which I did, but I lost all the beautiful bark yeah. and the, yeah. the shape of the trunks, and it came out like um, canes. Yeah, yes. and that's exactly and what I'll, would happen to your maple as well. You'll get strong so, caning growth. But it'll come well, back. Oh, when, well, that, no, when that caning growth matures, it'll, the bark will come back. But I don't want all those canes, and I don't know how to get a single... Just um, just prune them out. Yeah, you're just going to have to thin the tree out uh, over a period of time. Each winter, thin some more of it out until you get the framework that you're looking for again. But So I think 
I think the people should be told just to prune the flowers off. It's well, and that's what I always suggest to people. In fact, I've just written an article for the Royal Horticultural Society's Gazette about winter bark, and I, I mention in the article that an unpruned crepe myrtle will always have the best bark, yes. and that's one of its major features. And, so. and the sort of wriggly shape of the stems yeah. that, that are yes. mature stems are so lovely. Now, the other thing, I'm sorry about this. No, um, go I, ahead. I, I was told I had rose dust and I put it on some of my roses. Unfortunately, I think the holes were too big and I think it killed the rose because it came out too thickly and covered. Burnt it. Yes. No, yes. Would that be right? I'd be surprised. I, I um, it could have damaged the, the current dust. foliage. Unlike if it, it was killed... fresh young foliage, it could have burnt it. But it won't have killed the rose, I doubt it. Mm. Brown. Yeah, we'll just yeah. prune it back and it will come away again. That's also, something you can prune. How hard. long ago was that? Oh, I lost the rose though. The whole leaves died back and everything. And I think the holes of the rose dust was too big. They should be more like um, a sieve. Really. Yeah, I was going to say though, the rose would reshoot again if you had pruned it back after it got burnt. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, the other thing, if I might, I can't find Vidishas. And there's such a beautiful cut flower and an old flower. Um, Meryl, do you have anything to do with Gadesha? We don't have any Gadesha seed at the moment, but we probably will have some available in due course. Oh, where are you? Um, We're only online, but if you have a look on www.seedscape, all one word, seedscape.net. Dot au, and we do have some very interesting flowers. We specialise in unusual and beautiful heritage flowers and um, lots and lots of things that are great for cut flowers because we have a lot of clients who are commercial cut flower growers or there's a real growing army of people who grow natural cut flowers, if you see what I mean. They're, they're grown outdoors in, in, in the natural way. And, and sort of harvested as beautiful natural bouquets. So lots of things for cut flowers. Is that something that um, Ben Favre would, from um, All About would have? No, I don't think so right. because it's Anyhow. an annual. Yes, Gadishas yeah. are a lovely old-fashioned Yeah, they're flower. beautiful. I love those in Selpa glosses. Yes, yes. I love they're the beautiful. colours and the patterns and the jewel colours. And they're beautiful for inside. Yeah, yes, lovely cut yes. flower. Which I love. All right, so keep in touch with Meryl via Seedscape and at some stage she may have some Gadisha seed that oh, you can I'd buy. Oh, i love that. Thank you, Meryl. Thank All right. you for your time. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. All right, we've got another one coming through. We'll go to line eight. Rosie from Mount Eliza, how are you this morning? I'm really good, guys. Good. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, <coughs> I've... Um, just moved it. We've just moved into a house in Mount Eliza. This is our first uh, garden in Australia. I'm used to gardening in the UK. Mm-hmm. I'd like um, a recommendation for a tree, um, sort of medium sized tree, but it would have to take some really pretty hot northerly sun and probably winds. Oh, like um, Australia. 
A crepe myrtle. A crepe myrtle (coughs) sprang to my mind immediately. (laughs) uh, There's already a crepe myrtle um, in the garden, which is lovely. Now, I need need to ask a question, though, Rosie. When you say a medium-sized tree, everybody has a different attitude to what a medium-sized tree is. And I don't think a tree is a tree unless you can walk under the canopy and therefore it needs to be high enough to have a proper canopy above where you walked under. So I think... You're you're just biased. No, no, I just think it's not a tree. (laughs) I think that little little mallee up... Mount gum on top of Mount Buffalo that's had the wind blowing the heck out yeah. of it for, for 100 years and it's only three metres tall a tree. Yeah, but that's not a garden tree. Uh, a garden... I like it to yeah. create a bit of shade. Yeah, so yeah. you need something, something with that a little you bit can of size. Get underneath. Right. Uh, are you at all worried whether it's evergreen or deciduous or do you have a personal preference? No, I'm not, not too all worried. Right. I'll throw a couple of things into the mix then. There's a whole range of beautiful crab apples. Yes. Which would be fantastic. So you can have upright ones, you can have broad spreading ones. Uh, I'd try and opt for one that's a little less commonly planted because there's one or two that are almost hackneyed now. They're everywhere. So it's always nice to have something a little different. So there's a whole range of crab apples. They give you spring blossom, often attractive autumn fruit. Some of them colour well in the autumn before they shed. Uh, And they take pruning really well. So you can shape them to yeah. be a, de- a really decorative right. item. Yeah. So I'm going to put a little plug for the plant fair yeah. because we've got some pretty good tree growers up there, PBM, yeah. your minor. Um, come to, right. We've got some really, really good tree people yes. that you can you can talk about all the different trees, just like you have with Steve yeah. there and find something really interesting and different. Yeah. I've always had this attitude, and it's you know possibly due to my commercial interests, that people should be planting things that um, aren't in everybody else's garden mm. down the street. I mean, we need the biodiversity. It would be really nice if you planted something that wasn't a, a capital pear or a, yeah. you know, or a little gem magnolia or one of those things that are being used in vast quantities. Um, otherwise, your garden's going to look like everybody else's. Yeah. So yes. Clive's right. You've really changed my thinking, actually, Stephen, on this because I um, I was one of those going down the street looking to see what everybody else was growing. And look, that but sort of I'm works. But you've also said you've just come from the UK. You've got to understand Melbourne is a very – in Melbourne, <coughs> you can grow Himalayan trees, but you can also grow and fruit a tropical sapote. Mm. Our climate is so good here that yeah. unlike most parts of the UK where you've got limited choice, it really is – it's um, going to a shop and saying, I want food. Mm. You know, my wife goes, I want something yummy. It's just there's so many trees yes. that you can choose yeah. from. Yeah, so come up and yes. see us next weekend if you can. Um, yep. There's some passionate people there. That yeah. And actually, can you, you recommend a name of a crab apple, a slightly different Ooh, special crab uh, apple? Yes, um, there's one called Royal Raindrops, uh, okay. which is a form of Malus uh, transitoria, I think, and it has. Glossy burgundy foliage that goes bright red in the autumn. It has mm. deep pink flowers on it and tiny wee little bright red yes. crabs. And they look fantastic. And they sit all over the tree. It's a lovely little tree if you want a dark leaf tree. There's a, another form of transitoria called golden raindrops, which is a green leaf one that colours well in the autumn, white blossom and little tiny yellow crabs. Yep. So either oh, of those would be great. lovely. So Thank you. And yeah. so they'll do all sorts of different things. And, and you can prune them to be a really beautiful shape you know you can bring them up Good. on a single trunk and then let them be an yeah. umbrella shape and they're very mm. graceful mm. and or I, you can lovely. lollipop them yeah. mm. and i'll just throw lovely. one other idea into the mix which is a slightly offbeat one uh the chinese quince pseudocydonia sinensis 
If I only had room in my garden for one small to medium tree, it would probably be that one because it has mm-hmm. pink blossom in the spring, but after the leaves have come out, so it's not the Barbara Cartland mm. whirling dervish thing that mm-hmm. some things are. So you've got the green foliage, pink blossom. You get huge yellow quinces, egg-shaped quinces, which you can use, mm-hmm. but they look fantastic hanging on the tree mm-hmm. in the summer. The autumn foliage goes every shade from yellow to burgundy uh, through the whole tree, and it has bark every bit as good as a crepe myrtle, and it also gets that wonderful sinuous sort of gnarliness yes, to an older yes. tree. And yeah, it's yeah. and it's hardy. Um, I had a, I had a girlfriend growing one in Nunawading up on the top of the mm. hill, and it was blasted by the winds. It was in a high raised bed where it drained really sharply, and it made a beautiful tree. And have a think about a medlar too. It's just the right size. <laughs> Again, beautiful shape. Yeah. Edible fruit. These are fantastic. Thank you. Gorgeous foliage. Brilliant. Now before <laughs> we do, before we actually completely confuse you with science. Um, uh, think about some of those things. Have a little look at them on, on the net. Some of those things would be available quite potentially up at the Rare Plant Fair at Wandon on the mm. weekend. Uh, yep. And, um, yeah, just try and plant something a little different. See, there's though, also, like, I love liquid ambers. Mm. Now, you automatically think of the standard liquid amber you get from every shop, but you go somewhere like PBM, mm. he's got all these different cultivars mm. with different coloured stems and different coloured foliage. Yeah. And <clears throat> you used to go to the gardens and getting one acer or two acers and one liquid amber. These guys that collect this stuff, they've got really weird shapes yeah. and colours and flowers. See, a large cotinus is beautiful. Mm. Yes. You know, oh, like, lovely. Yes, I yes. know the cotinus. The, the, yeah, and they what, do what's the so dark, well The dark-leafed one. Grace. Grace. That's yeah. a beautiful yeah, I'm not sure that it's quite tree-alive no, enough yeah. for me. It's, it's sort of a bit suckery and, and mm. bigger. Yeah, I like stunning the old, autumn foliage. Yeah, mm. gorgeous. And I I'll like... just throw one more in, Rosie, just to completely confuse you. Consider mm-hmm. the Chinese pistachio. Yes. Yeah, pistachio chinensis. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful shape. shape again. Mm. Yeah, lovely shape, fabulous autumn colour. It will colour in Melbourne. Uh, it's yep. just a lovely, lovely tree. I mean, it's not grown for its flowers or anything else, but it's a great shape, good shade, right size for the average garden, and the most yep. fabulous... Fabulous bright orangey coloured autumn foliage, and it's just beautiful. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So you Thank you. That's brilliant. Thank right. you so much. Okay. You, you will Thank find you. growing plants in a, in a Mount Eliza garden um, and amazing. You have so much choice. There's almost yeah. anything you want to grow, you can grow there. All right, but well, there's I... been no rain. We haven't had any rain. Yeah, but you've got tap water. You've got tap water. <laughs> yeah, I've a huge tank. Yeah. Thanks. Good Thanks job. Thanks to the previous tenant. All um, right. It's great. All right. Thank you. Thanks for ringing. Bye. Bye. Thank you. All right. So that was Rosie. Now, we still apparently have both garden passes available for the two gardens up country. We'd love to see somebody come uh, come on board and take those. And we still have some double passes for the Tesla Kabloom event. So please come on board and grab those while you can. I mean, it's a great opportunity and it's very kind of those different uh, organisations to supply us with free passes. Yes. So let's use them up if we can. It I'd is, like isn't that, that's a funny question that Rosie asked about trees. My mind goes at a blank because there's just so many thousands it, unusual trees yeah. that aren't even in the garden centres that you can grow. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, and I generally paralyse my clients with choice because they come in and they they give me their specifications, and you've and got I'll fifty. Show, yeah, I'll show them a whole raft of different things that could do the job, probably all equally as well. Mm. Um, and of course, because they can't see the tree as, an, as a grown tree, they're reliant on my recommendations to an extent, um, and so they're sort of a, it's sort of a little bit sort of in the dark sort of thing that they're doing but nonetheless it's one of those things that if you don't try something you'll never know the, 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 
see the beauty about Melbourne, unlike Sydney, which has the, the hot, the wet, late summer, yeah, <clears throat> that knocks a lot of things out. We have the cold winters, yes, which so they that like. gives us that, that solarization for so many trees. We have the hot, dry summers. Most years we have pretty easily available mains water for watering your plants, so yeah. it's not a problem. We don't have frost because Melbourne's such a big clump of concrete. We don't get the frost, but we get the cold air. And the bays there and, to and the help. Bay, yeah. So you can grow almost any plant from such a huge band of latitude around the world in Melbourne that we're lucky and our, our, mm. our field of choice is so huge. Mm. And I'd like to put in a plea too, following up on our discussion, for things with thorns on. So many people are prejudiced against things with thorns Except on. Except for rose bushes, I've noticed. No, yes. no, they're not. No, that's right. Quite <laughs> yeah, they right. let rose bushes in. But yes, yeah. but other thorny things. But if you love birds in your garden, thorny shrubs mm. and thorny trees are just the best. They make, they make anti-personnel hedges on the front of the property so people can't get in. Well, I always that, say to people, plant something prickly under your bedroom window so oh, people absolutely. can't get out. Rugosa <laughs> roses under the bathroom window are just the yeah. best thing for stopping mm. burglars. But yeah. we saw yesterday in our garden a yellow robin. Mm. Now, I have not seen a yellow robin in our district for many years. We're thrilled to bits that our yellow oh. robins. Oh, we get them back. up at Macedon regularly. No, I haven't they, seen any they, this year. They've yet, deserted but... us. Oh, but sad. they're back. They're back. And I think it's because there's so much shelter for them with thorny hedges and mm. you know thorny trees that they they can get in some Look, protection. I probably should mention a couple of no. my plants before we go too far because I did put, send Liz images. And so they're up on the um, Facebook uh, and I think Instagram sites for 3CR Gardening Program, oh, or at least will be. So if people are looking for uh, what we're talking about, they can go in and do so. And I just like—I just think it's time for an oxalis hit for this year. Um, as most people are aware, I have a bit of a collection of oxalis species and forms, and I love them. Uh, I can hear people shrieking, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I can, I can hear them shrieking. They just need to take some aversion therapy. I, uh, I just get tired of it. There's only about two or three plants that I actually call weeds in the world. The rest of them... Just deal with it. Yeah, and they're plants that probably are just a plant in the wrong place in a lot of yeah, cases. That's all it is. But anyhow, I brought in a couple. The the winter-growing oxaluses are all well and truly underway now. And one of the species, Oxalis obtusa, uh, there's been an awful lot of breeding and selecting going on with obtusa, and I've now got about five or six different named selections of Oxalis obtusa. And it's a small oxalis with quite dainty little flowers. This one's a sort of a lavender pink one, uh, and it's got the rather uh, twee name of First Love. Uh, so Oxalis obtusa First Love. And one that I've just built enough of to sell this year is a yellow-flowered Oxalis called Oxalis luteola. And this form, it hasn't really shown up in its foliage yet terribly well, but this form has uh, dark brown flaring through the, oh. through the leaves, and it's just starting to come into it now. By midwinter, it'll be quite distinctly green and brown, the foliage. And I had just my stock pot of it last year, and everybody went nuts. Uh, and, of course, I didn't have any to sell. Uh, but it's quite a pretty one, stays very close to the ground, uh, moves slowly sideways, so you'll end up with a little bit of a mat of it. But it certainly doesn't go nuts. So, uh, And its bright yellow flowers are really cheery. I think it's a really pretty oxalis. And 
It doesn't look like a weed like some of the weedy oxalis. And the first one you showed us with the lovely lilac pink flowers, that's not invasive, Stephen? No, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, I've got the uh, just a wild form of oxalis obtusa in the garden and it has moved around a bit, but it's so tiny it can't actually swamp anything. And I'm finding it's actually actually coming up in the edges of cracks in rocks. Oh, I get very frustrated. A lot of your weeds (coughs) are weeds of bare ground. If you grow something else here, a lot of them just don't become a problem. No. no. Um, and even the weedy oxaluses, I know everybody gets really thingy about them, but they're winter growing, so they don't actually compete with most of your flowers and your crops. Um, uh, and they sort of make a winter ground cover. <laughs> um, and they don't compete. So That's that's the big thing. There's, there's weeds that grow where you don't want them. There's weeds that push out. Anti, um, anti-personnel weeds that yeah. push other plants out. Yeah. They're the ones you don't want. But the thing that just takes over a bare space... Hey, what the heck? Grow something yeah. else here if you don't want the oxalis there. Yeah, well, exactly. So anyhow, so these two are quite safe uh, and very small and yeah. low, so they're not going to take over the garden, even if they spread sideways a bit. And I've got a whole rock garden in, uh, at home that is basically dedicated to oxalis species. Mm. And from end of February through to about the end of November, I've always got something in there. I've got a bright orange one in full bloom at the moment, Oxalis masoniana. How do they Uh, go with bees? bees Do bees like them or not like them? No, they seem to come in and and take the pollen from the Oxalises. Um, Because with the lavender farming, we did a lot of consultancy to them. They're looking for flowering crop from sort of June, July before the, the, the first of the lavender kick into flower. Oh, so, might be worth looking at an oxalis to plant mm, under the yeah. under the lavender. Why not? <laughs> um, so, and they flower all winter. Mm. So, there's not a lot of things that will do that. And in fact, it's interesting because there's summer growing oxalis and winter growing oxalis. So, you can quite literally have them in flower all year round if you collect them. Um, they come from virtually all around the world. So, they're a cosmopolitan mm. genus. We have some Australian native ones, um, and they have such diversity in their foliages and flower colours. Um, I can't think of another group of bulbous plants that have so much diversity in them, really. Mm. The only one that would come close, and I bought one in that had a lovely flower last night before I put it in the van and the flowers died in the van on the way down, uh, are the cyclamen. Hmm. I love them. Yeah. Mine are just going yeah. nuts at the moment. This one did look nice when I took the picture. So if you take, uh, if you go onto our Facebook page, uh, it's some um, cyclamen cyprium, uh, yes. which is uh, a charming little one from Cyprus. Uh, it's perfumed, and this is a selected form of it that's called ES, which stands for Elizabeth Strainman, not extra oh, yes, special. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, it is ha- extra special, and it has so wonderful marbled leaves. So uh, the cyclamen are great too. I've just recently done a YouTube video on them, following them throughout the year. Yes, because you can have them all year round. All year round, that's yeah. right. And so, and um, they're so tough. They're, now talk about the low maintenance plant. Mm. They're they're it. Yeah, the only one that takes some care and attention is the summer growing one, yes. cyclamen purpuracens, because it's not dormant in the summer, it needs some irrigation. Uh, but the others just go dormant for the summer and, but, and they yep, don't care. They just wait out the weather and yeah. then come back and when it's up all they good. they come again. And they self-seed. Our, our problem yeah. with summer dormant plants is we, we kill them. Yeah, because we're watering. Because yeah, we, we water. have to water the rest of our gardens yeah. and they get watered. Well, well I, I tuck mine all in around the roots of old rhododendrons and things, which yeah. is sucking up the moisture yeah. over the, mm. the summer. Right. And yeah, it and it keeps, keeps it, it does keep them safe. And yeah. uh, I've got drifts of cyclamen hedrifolium, the main autumn one in flower at the moment. Mm. And 
when I say drifts, it'll be at least a drift as big as this studio. So mm. it's quite a large Several area. Several metres uh, And it's just lovely with a massive pink and white shuttlecocks everywhere. It's yes. just beautiful. And I love the scent of a lot of the cyclamen too, yeah. and it wafts on the air so beautifully. Yeah. All right, we better go to our caller. We have Malcolm online from Hawthorne. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. How are you? It's funny you were talking about oxalis. Yeah. Uh, we have... Well, we have doxalis in the front garden, and delightful it is too, with not spreading too far. But the reason I'm calling is something that is genuinely noxious, is the Madeira vine, which I haven't seen around Victoria, but I've just seen an enormous infestation right near the studio, uh, where you go down to the river crossing the Gipps Street Bridge, across the river. Madeira vine. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, trying to think to of what the botanical is. Trying to identify it. Unradera cordifolia looks yeah. like it. Uh, and it's a noxious, listed noxious weed in Queensland and New South Wales, but I wonder whether it's just about to spread here. Uh, now, that is a bit terrifying, isn't it? Yes, it's. Uh, I've just looked it up on Mr Google, uh, Unradera cordifolia. It's not something I've actually come across. Um, no, me either. And it's a South American species and it's slightly succulent. Um and it has fleshy leaves and thick tubers, making it very, uh, making a very heavy vine. So you've seen I, it quite locally, have you? Oh yeah. Well, if you're in Smith Street, yeah, yeah. If you go up Wellington Street and turn right at Gipps Street, mm-hmm. um, and go down to the river, and there's a footbridge across into Yarraben Park uh, on the Rich, Richmond or Collingwood side you will see a mass of this. It looks mm. fantastic, but it's spreading, gradually spreading along the bank. Oh, uh, dear. It and it also apparently has stem tubers that it drops mm. and grows from. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's why we're a weed in the tropics. Yeah. It'll uh, struggle so it, a little bit here, but it, it yeah. will... Well, less so if we keep getting warmer. Yes, well... well yeah. just, just pop round after the show, and it's spectacular... <coughs> But I think you'll agree it's quite happy there. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's a new one on me, Malcolm. I feel reasonably confident and somewhat smug that it's unlikely to take off at Mount Macedon. Um, but if it's starting to get a foothold in Melbourne, then it is probably something that people need to be aware of. If it were me, I would be ringing the local yes, council and to get onto it. tell them about it because it is on the uh, national weed list, so it, it is a declared weed because yeah. there is a difference between there's, something that's weedy and something that's a declared weed. There's, there's yeah. three or four. There's environmental weeds, mm. there's declared weeds, and there's noxious weeds. And noxious weeds are an act of parliament in each state mm. and they vary from state to state. And even within noxious weeds, there's three categories. <clears throat> One is you can't grow it, you can't sell it, you can't grow it, but if it's on your property, you can leave it. Mm. One is you can't move it. The other one is if it's on your property, you have to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all different gradings of them. Mm. And about the mid-90s, they, they stopped because they're also regional. Mm. And no matter if it's a noxious weed in one part of Victoria, it's noxious weed all over Victoria. Mm. So, it's like some of the wattles. They're fine in some parts and dreadful weeds in other parts. Yes, but they're, they're, only a, they're an environmental weed, not a noxious weed anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, it's so certainly... We'll, we'll notify... Yeah, look, I think, I think it's a very good idea to do. But uh, would appreciate it if you'd uh, 
add your considerable clout after having done your research. Yes. Well, I need to look into it a bit more because it is something I've not come across before. You're only a kilometre from the infestation. Mm. Dear, I don't know that I want to drive past in case it comes home with me. Um, all right, thank you for that. That's... And, and worrying that it's along a waterway too. Yeah. That's a particularly bad spot to be, mm. choking yeah, up waterways. I think waterways that's one of the only reason it's able to grow in Melbourne because it'll, it'll lead to humidity and we're just too dry over the rest of the... Yeah, yeah the Queensland government's getting quite uh, aggro about it because mm. um, it apparently produces thousands of aerial tubers along the stems and uh, it's becoming a serious problem for Brisbane City Council and so forth. Mm. So, mm. yes, so it is obviously something that needs to be dealt with. So if you don't mind ringing the local council... Uh, and well Easter, spotted, well and, yeah, spotted. well spotted. It'll be it's... Yarra Council, not difficult to spot. Mm. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Thank you, Malcolm, for that uh, warning. Okay. All right, enjoy Cheerio. the rest of your Easter, and thanks a Thank lot. You. And you're talking about Bye. that. One of my pet hates is we grew up years ago plant called Podrania ricasoliana. Mm. It's an anagram of pandaria mm. and looks like a pandaria. And we plant it at our stock beds and started growing it. It makes ivy look tame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You plant it here and it pops up 30 or 40 metres away. Oh. And it's just all over. And it looks stunning. Masses of pink pandaria-like flowers, a beautiful show. We have given up trying to control it. Now we're just putting it into a, like a, the old-fashioned English hedge fence on the fence oh, line. Yeah. That's a nasty little plant. Yeah. yeah. Well, once you learn something like that is out there and, and its potential, I guess you've then got to start thinking about what you do about it. Um, yes. And certainly you need to manage it. Uh, and, yeah, we need to know the difference between really weedy weeds and other weeds. You know? yes. well, fairly easy for us. We just stop propagating it. Yeah. And then, oh, then, then it comes out of the industry. Mm. But we've, we bought a plant in years ago. The most magnificent climber that had... Um, Opposing foliage mm. looked like butterfly wings all the way up the stems. Beautiful plant. Really struggled to get it to grow in our prop house. And I thought, oh, geez, this could be all right. Then I started reading about it. Now, if I sell it to someone in Brisbane, mm. it, we're gone. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's like a bit like a violent. So, so we just destroyed the plant and got it off our list. Yeah. Um, because it would have become a problem up north, mm. whereas down here it's not an issue. Oh dear. Yeah. All right, just a passing message to everybody. There's still one double pass left for Teslas if people are still interested mm-hmm. in getting those. And we still have the open gardens uh, passes. I know it's a reasonable trip out to Mansfield and whatever, but um, I'm sure it would be worth your while as a day trip. So if anybody wants those double passes to either of the gardens out in the country, Mansfield and Reedsdale, uh, please do ring in because Open Gardens Victoria are very kind to give us those passes. So be nice. If people actually took them on board and used them, so I'll just mention one more plant that's an old-fashioned thing that you don't it see around terribly much thing. anymore. <laughs> Looks just like a borage. This is a plant that used to be sold as Tweedia, and many mm. people would know it as Tweedia. Uh, it's Oxypetalum caruleum, and it's about the only thing I can think of I grow that comes from um, Uruguay. <laughs> yes, uh, and it's a Not sort really. of it's a sort of a soft wooded shrubby, semi-perennially thing. Short-lived perennial. Yeah, it's not a long-lived thing. It's very easy to raise from seed. Very easy. Uh, It has soft, furry, grey-green leaves that are sort of spearhead-shaped and really pretty 
very pale, pale blue, starry flowers Ooh. on it. And it flowers for months. Yes. And it was a good old standby, you know, decades yeah. ago, because it is very water-wise. It yeah. doesn't demand a lot of water yeah. to do a good job. And it seems to cope with my cold at Macedon fairly yeah. well. It just dies back a bit and, and then and, away it goes again. And self-seeds itself. Mm. And, yeah. yeah. You've uh, got to be a bit careful about self-seeders, of course, that mm. they're... they're not going to self-seed yeah. themselves out into the bush or, yeah. well, or the I landscape. Well, I think these sort of things, though, to a large extent, are probably things that will self-seed in your garden because you've got disturbed ground. Exactly. But I've got quite a number of things that are vigorously self-seeding in the garden at home, but we've but got bushland around us and they never, never seem to go find out. it. No, they that's never right. never find their way out and, into the bushland. Because most of them are colonisers and they need bare ground with with. 100% sun to germinate. Recently tilled ground, yeah. that's yeah. right. Or, or so. bare ground with lots of sun, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they've got to have that, that sun, yeah. and that's why they won't get going in the bush. Yeah, so Tweedia or Oxypetalum caruleum, uh, up to about a metre-ish. Uh, yes. Sort of a, not a particularly neatly formed plant in some ways. No, it's, sort it's of a, a, bit, a little bit scraggly. But, yeah. but, it's just but on pretty, mass, yeah. it's a chalk blue colouring of the yeah. star-like flowers. And, and blue's always one of those colours that we all love in our we gardens. We do, we can't resist we it. We love it so much that a lot of nurserymen sell things as blue that are actually mauve or purple. Or purple. <laughs> yeah. It's not just blue, it's um, the nurseryman's palette is very, very... Objective. Yes, yes. Subjective. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, if you call it blue, it's it's bound to sell. If you call it violet purple. or purple, it may not. Yeah, I've uh, also seen a few red chrysanthemums, and the red's really a bit, yeah, there's not much red in that. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the pink lavender. I think, yeah, there's not a lot it's of not pink, real pink. pink. No, no, a lot of these things aren't real. They don't quite live up to expectations. But anyhow, uh, I think... Coru- I'll pick uh, you up a little bit back there, too. Mm. I suspect you might have got another plant from Uruguay, Paraguay. What? Feijoa. Fajoa. I don't grow for joas, but yes, I yeah, guess they, they yeah. would grow for us, whether well, we'd ever get any fruit or well, not, I don't know. Yeah, not in my district. I've just done an article on feijoa because I do an article every month on some edible plant. I thought, well, I'll do feijoa. We've got one plant at our Lillardale site that three years ago had so much fruit we just couldn't get couldn't give it away. Mm. And we've got four or five <clears throat> plants at our Wandon site that were seeding some really great big plants that were trying to get big fruity feijoas. Both fruited heavily that year. Mm. Neither have fruited hardly all since then. Oh, goodness. So they're very seasonal. Yeah, so there's a lot of debate. Their... Is it pollinators? Mm. And I think, well, the one at Ludo doesn't have a pollinator because it's by itself. Mm. But, if it's, but it's fruited well. And I'm trying to work out, is it not winter temperatures? Is it, they don't like summer temperatures over 35, but we have that, we've had that before. They've fruited. Yeah. And trying to work out why they do or don't fruit. Is goodness. Mm. And, um, in Absence of pollinators? Or... I mean, that's what I was saying. The one at Ludo... Has only got one plant, yeah. but one year it fruited so massively <coughs> that I just <coughs> meant with the bees somewhere else at the. I don't know, time. But, but at the same year the one at Wandon fruited heavily. Yeah. So and they're seven kilometres apart, so it has to be more An weather or day thing. length or day temperature. So and there's a lot of work done in California. They actually had this huge Feijoa Growers Association, and it fell over because they couldn't work out how to get the fruit consistently in size, shape, flavour every year. No, hmm. That's it. And, uh, one and, of the few and pla- they're a lovely thing. Oh, and one of the few plants out of South America that didn't travel around the world during the Columbian Exchange. They didn't travel out of South America till the late 19th century. Goodness. Mm. Whereas, oh, there you go. Mm. Such a delicious thing. It is. <laughs> think it would have been and first I, cab it, off the roof. It's a beautiful tree. The flowers are stunning. And mm. I like just like the shape and the colour of the foliage. I'm, I'm delighted. Speaking of bees, I'm delighted to say that 
the bees are back and they're starting to strengthen in numbers again Ooh. after oh, the, the big bushfires, you know, the, the mm. horrid mm. summer of bushfires, we had a very, very noticeable lack of native mm. bees and honeybees. Yes, well, they seem to be back in our gardens in, in vast quantities yeah, at the moment, which is back, lovely. which yes, is good. Yeah, and mm. I've noticed them at the nursery as well that they're really going nuts on anything that's in yes, flower. Yep. All those salvia relatives, they're going nuts over. Uh, I've just had a message come in. Uh, we've still got the Colliban Springs Garden opening pass available. The other one has gone. Uh, and we've still got one double pass to Tesla's Kabloom. So please, come keep, on board. Keep Phoning in. Yes. Cut more plants. Yes. Well, what have you got there, Clive? Oh, I've always thought of you as a bit of a horticultural sage. <laughs> Salvia apiana. <laughs> ah, bee sage. We used to really struggle to sell that, to grow that. And all of a sudden, about four years ago, seed studies had to come out all the time. We've got it all the time. Very trendy sage. Oh, is Oh, yes. Yes. For making smudge sticks. Oh, yes. 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 Oh, I need a few smudge sticks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, the amount of times I get the hippies on the phone. Do you do salvia divaranum? <laughs> no, it's a band. It's a, one of those drug salvias. But this is a beautiful plant. Lovely white flowers. Grows really well. Yeah, no, we, we sell it from seed. Mm. And it's Can you very use that salvia as germinate. a culinary salvia or is it uh, not? No, it's not really. No. no. But it, it's one of its common names is bee sage because bees just adore it. So if you mm. want to feed your bees mm. and, and encourage them, it, uh, that's a great plant for doing that. And its other name is sacred sage yeah. for the, the reason of oh, yes, making the smudge stick. sticks yeah. and yeah. aromatherapy. So that will be available, yeah. I assume, up at the plant fair? And then galangal. I thought there was only one galangal. Oh, no, God, lots yes. of them. There's two. There's greater galangal and lesser galangal. Exactly. Uh, so is the lesser galangal for those who are on a Jenny Craig diet? No. No, worse luck. <laughs> Sorry. I should be on them too, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, so, so we'll have the greater galangal, but that's one's more Thai-based and one's more eight other parts of Asia. Mm. And one's sold as blue ginger, but it's not really blue ginger. But they're both galangals, which make a great flavour for your food. Yeah. And they make fantastic patio plants. Mm. Nice foliage. Yes. Yeah. Look good the, in a pot. Nice scented foliage to rub mm. that nice fragrance. But they really do make a lovely big pot. Same as um, the, the, the false cardamom. Oh, yeah. What we call cardamom leaf. It has that cardamom fragrance in the leaf, but it's not a cardamom. So, mm. so it does really good in big pots on the patio. And it's nice to have big green things and... The, um, and, and edible as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, the cardamom is great because you just go and pick the leaves off and use it in your cooking. Mm. Yeah. There's so many fun plants. And there's this another weird thing, which we were growing last year, a guzmania. Oh, yes, they're bromeliads. The bromeliads. Yeah, yeah. We, didn't, we, we gave it a go and it's, it's growing Thriving. Quite, it's right well. Yeah. In the pink, so yeah, to speak. So. It has very deep pink flowers. Yes. So. It's a lovely, another lovely I like plant. bromeliads. I have to say, I can grow more bromeliads in my garden given a dry, shady spot than I thought I could years mm. ago. Mm. And I've got quite a number of bromeliads. I've, I'd always grown some of the poyas and uh, and the weird thing from Chile called the fascicularia. Fascicularis, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd always grown those because I know they're quite cold hardy. But it's surprising how many bromeliads actually do cope with compl- comparatively cold climates. And I've got quite a, a nice collection of, mm. of mm. interesting bromeliads in the garden. They great now. texture. We bought some fasciculara bicolor seed in Australia in the mid-90s. Mm. I mean, like three or four germinated. It took us years to get decent plants up. And find well, out I bought bit. some from yeah, you at yeah. one stage. <coughs> and I've still got some plants in the garden from your original 
beautiful And they look batch. amazing, don't they? Great plant. In fact, my YouTube channel will have a thing on fascicularia shortly because ah. we did the filming on Thursday. So and I never know which one Matthew's going to put up each week, so I'm never game to say mm. that one will show up on whatever. On a particular yeah. day. Because <laughs> some things he puts, puts up quickly because they're easier to... Edit. actually edit yes. and put up and other things are quite complex to edit so and they sometimes get held back if he's in in sort of a hurry yeah so no. you never quite know what's going to go up but anyway. well, good it makes a bit of excitement for yeah. you yeah but i've got a fascicularia in flower in the garden at it's home beautiful at isn't it stunning amazing things you've got this tight cluster of blue flowers and then these wonderful red uh, bases to the leaves mm. that sort of bring the pollinators into the flower and it's like this big sort of Rosetti thing. It's mm-hmm. just lovely. So it's definitely worthwhile growing. And again, it's dry tolerant, mm. it's shade tolerant. It's and we, we always assume these things aren't cold tolerant. Mm. But you got to remember, Ecuador, Quito, the capital of Ecuador, is at 3,000 metres. Yes, so, so it cools down at night. <laughs> right, yes. So it has a cold winter. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of those things are growable, and I find them really good in dry shade. If you've yes. got root infested shade somewhere and you want to grow something in there, I'd actually look at bromeliads almost first up because they'll grow with virtually no care and attention. Well, Monstera mm. is the most amazing plant in dry shade. Mm. We've got mm. them under our pine tree and it's just gone haywire mm. because it doesn't like wet roots. It mm. just likes the dry Rambling shade. And around in the dry. Yeah. Yes, it's probably a bit cold at Macedon for them. Oh, I have tried so. Monstera in the garden a couple of times. Uh, when Craig first moved in, he arrived with one in a pot uh, and it went out in the garden and, and promptly carked it with the first decent frost. <laughs> well, it's lucky your relationship survived. Yes, well, you do wonder sometimes how. Yeah. Uh, his three standard iceberg roses eventually also disappeared. Also met their yeah. maker. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I don't know what happened to those. It no, was, they just blew out in a big wind. Yeah, it was one of those strange diseases well, that when, roses can get. You when know? you come down to our place, do you get some cuttings off our um, that weird rose I've got that doesn't look like a rose? We bought it as um, willow leaf rose, I've never seen it flower. Oh, but, I know, um, yeah, it, I know does, the... it doesn't do a lot of flowering, mm. yeah. I have to but say. It's got quite pleasant foliage, it's yeah. pretty foliage, and it's got and, thorns, yeah, and it's got thorns and it makes thickets, so yeah, yeah good bird protection, yeah. But yes, the flowers are quite they, yeah, not yeah, so much, not much. <laughs> All right, now I've got one more plant to talk about, so we might as well throw it in whilst we've not got anybody ringing us in. But I would love to see you ring him, we've still got a quarter of an hour to go. You can ring us on 94190155 or text us a message on 0488809855. So do come on board. Uh, and the last plant I wanted to talk about today is one that some people might get a bit of a fright about, and it's an ivy. Um, it's it's actually, a very unusual yeah, ivy, Stephen. It's funnily enough called Heterohelix erecta. <laughs> it's a bush ivy. Uh, it has upright stems, and what happens is when the stems get too heavy and they can't hold themselves up anymore, they flop over, and then the tip grows up vertical and makes again. Another. So you end up with this sort of bush with very vertical stems, with the leaves sitting in two ranks, on, one on either side of the, the stem. So texturally, it's really interesting. It is. You can use it as an indoor plant. You can obviously use it as a pot plant. Uh, it could be grown in a hanging basket. Um, it doesn't climb, so it's not going to run around on things, and it doesn't flower. So it can't flower and fruit. It's not going to So it's completely safe. So it's, uh, you know, it's... 
So we can stop screaming. Yeah, you can stop yeah. screaming. It's, uh, I got this years ago from an old Swiss gardener up on Mount Macedon. I don't know where he got it from, but I've had it for probably 35 years. Mm. And every so often I have a rush of blood and grow a batch of it. Uh, I'm selling a few of them these days because the indoor plant thing has become such a oh. huge thing. Uh, and so people are, are looking at it and going, well, that's an interesting textural plant. Mm. So so that's mm. it's been selling steadily. Uh, and, of course, being an ivy, it's very easy to propagate. So you can chop it up in cuttings. You say goes, that. Because mm. ivy is still quite popular for building, especially if you're on the inner city. Mm. You know, there's not much else that will grow in a car park in the middle of Burke Street. Yeah. And we'll get an order for you know, 2,000 canariensis. And everyone says, oh, it only takes a few weeks. No, they take months to put on the roots and months to grow. Yeah, they, they can be slow. They're not yeah. quick or easy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, and Canariensis does make a fantastic ground cover yeah. in difficult places. And I mean, it's big, glossy leaves, <coughs> lovely. Uh, and Nothing will, eats it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it will swamp any weedy species going nearby. So, mm. in the right places, I mean, some of these plants can be very. Useful. And I've always thought things like ivy. Yeah, you, know, you should have a little boundary around the inner city of Melbourne because they grow fantastic in car parks in yeah. Melbourne. And, and they're fabulous as indoor plants as well. Yeah. We actually do have another call come in, so we better go to yes. Rosie in Mitcham. Are you there, Rosie? Yes, I am. Now, how can Stephen. we help you? I can't believe you're talking about ivy because my question's about ivy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recently was at your wonderful Dixonia rare plants and yeah. I bought a, a variegated ivy. Oh, yes, it- Glordermag. Row or something. Mm. Yes, I know the ivy, yes. I'm writing that down because I didn't get a ticket with it. Oh. Algeriensis. Yeah, it's the Al- variegated Algerian ivy and it's Glory D. Marango or something like that. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce it off the top of my head. Okay, I've got enough now. That's yeah, you, you all right. should Algerian be able to Google it. Yeah. And yes. it makes a very good climber. It can be used as a trailing plant in a basket mm. or a pot. Um, it's quite vigorous growing, but doesn't seem to have any particular weedy potential. Uh, it has big white edges, irregular edges around the leaf. So in shade, it's a very useful plant. Mm. Okay, so my question was it would be good for, I know it would look lovely trailing from a hanging basket, but I want to try and topiarise it. I want to get like a heart shape or something and train it around that. Would it be okay for that? Yeah, yeah. you won't be able to get a very formal effect from it because it has such big leaves that, you know, your heart or whatever shape you're going to make it will have to be quite large to have any sense of form to it. If it's something too small, the leaves will meet in the middle and it won't really sort of work terribly well. But, yeah, you can... Oh, okay. But you yeah, can train so Ivy pack, to do anything. I should pack by a structure that's a bit bigger. Yeah, yes. look, big leaf mm. things will need a biggish structure mm. so that you can yeah, still yeah. have a defined outline. But it'd look fabulous in a pot. Yeah. And it'd grow uh-huh. well in a pot. Oh, you mean just plant it in a pot and not and, topiarise it? Oh, no, topiarise it in the pot. Yeah. Yeah, but if I need a big structure, I was thinking I could even put a great big, uh, you know, log of wood and train it just to grow you, up. Look, you could trade it more as, as a, um, a lollipop if you wanted to. You run it up the stem yeah. and then just yeah. pinch the top out and let it weep back down again. Yeah. yeah so okay. It's really up to you and your own imagination, really. Yeah, my other relationship with ivy is that pulling it off gum trees when I'm walking through the bush. <laughs> Good um, work, you. Yes, yes, it needs to be done. Oh, the ivy is just killing the gum trees and yeah. any, any little saplings and things that it gets on. You know, it, it, mm. oh, I have to say it won't them. kill big old trees. Um, the only problem ivy has with big old trees is that if it gets up into the limbs, you get extra weight with the ivy as well and it can actually... 
it's so it heavy that branches will fall mm. off. Uh, but it will strangle small trees. But if it's got yeah. a, an established trunk, it won't strangle the tree. But you know, it will grow up, set seed, and 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 then sell seed everywhere, yeah. and you'll have it everywhere. So it's a good idea to remove it. But the idea of ivy strangling trees is a little bit of a misnomer. It is because yeah. in the wild they grow up trees and they don't want to kill their host because. Yeah. Yeah. Then they're going to yeah, fall over. Yeah, yeah, you go all through England and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Oh. And they actually really encourage it because it's habitat for insects. And, and it's birds. the same in New Zealand with the monsteras, and it's the same in South America with all your philodendrons and all your aroids. Yep. They go to the top of the tree canopy and then spread across the top. And that's mm. how they've evolved. Actually, yeah, that's a good point you mentioned about habitat. Once I was pulling quite a mass of ivy off a gum tree and uh, two little possums jumped out. <laughs> yeah, that does not surprise me. You're lucky they're the little ones. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, although it's not something we'd encourage here, in England the ivy is seen as a very, very important oh, bee-pollinating plant yes, yes. because the bees Different love it story. when it's in flower. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so they get lots of pollen and from ivy. I have a <clears> – <throat> my studies are all about evolution and I have a much broader look on plant life and a much longer look on plant life than a one human generation and – it, the ivy's there in 500 years' time. The whole the, the subculture of that environment will change and the ivy will become part of the, the natural environment for the animals and the plants and they'll all evolve yeah. around each other. And sometimes we've, we've got to not take our human hats off a little bit yeah. and put Mother Nature's hats on and look at how it's going to change the whole way plants and animals grow and yeah. live together. Yeah. Well, I sort of had that attitude to a certain extent because the, the plant that I always use as an example is Petosperum undulatum. Oh, don't get me going on that one. Well, I'd just like to say that, you know, when in I 1770... I support the plant. Yeah, well, so do I. <laughs> but when, you know, in 1770 it had been uh, burnt back into East Gippsland and southern New South Wales and that's what its habitat was considered to be. But in fact, when we stopped burning and we started using it as a garden plant, it's moved back into habitat it probably once owned. No, but it, what I, my, my belief is it was the Kuirup swamps that stopped it mm. because it's come all the way down the coast mm. and it couldn't migrate. They were quite large swamp areas, 20, 30 kilometres. Yeah. <clears throat> we drain all those mm. and eventually that plant would have come right through Victoria. If man had never come around here ever, but yet it would have come through Victoria because of the nature of the plant. Yeah. Um, and it provides great habitat for possums and owls and mm. birds. And it creates shade that some plants will grow under that wouldn't grow under eucalypts. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Unfortunately, our world's over-dominated by the Myrtaceae. That's the problem. <laughs> it is a bit. Now, we better go, Rosie, but I hope that's helped a bit. Yes, thank you. Thank All you very right. much. Great show, you guys. Yeah. Right. Bye. Bye. All right. Now, Sonia from Black Rock would like to know where she can purchase Eryngium maritimum, the sea holly. Do we know oh, anybody's yes, growing it? Yes, me. Um, by seed. Plant seed. fair. Plant yep. fair. Might have it at the plant fair, yes. We sometimes have it in stock. I don't know if we... It's, it's, it's a plant we do grow mm. um, relatively often. If, if you can't come up, you can always try garden. We'll get them to get, them to get it in for you. Mm. Or um, we will have seed yeah. for it at the plant fair. Yeah, yeah. And Fantastic. it's also available online at the yeah. moment. Because it is a And it's easy plant. to grow from yeah. seed. Yeah. yeah. We actually so. have, we used to have three or four different cultivars of it too. Mm. Yeah, great All plants, the Eryngians like. are yeah. great plants. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. them. Definitely worthwhile looking I, at. I, I have often said I couldn't believe that I fell in love with something that looked like a thistle. But I did, and they're brilliant plants. Yeah. I quite <laughs> like thistles. thistles? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as a farmer of paddocks, yeah. thistles. I love oh. cardoons and, and artichokes. Oh, I love cardoons <laughs> and, and artichokes. And they're yeah. very thistle-like. They are, yeah. yes. So, and it's... Um, it's funny when I drive down to Melbourne and you go through the Keeler Plains where all those artichoke thistles are growing. Mm, yes. 
they're as absolute thug and they're a dreadful weed, but by God, they are statuesque are decor- and, yeah, they're and de- very and handsome. Painters love them. <laughs> and if you leave it long enough, other plants... See, what we keep doing is we keep chopping them out. Mm. So we just create, keep recreating the habitat they like. Yep. If you leave them long enough, the next, the next layer of plant life will come along and grow around them and grow over them. We, we, keep not under, we just don't understand enough about plant succession and plant evolution to be really at managing our plant properly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Well, there you go. But Aridiums, no problem. Yeah. They Good. are in no way weedy and no. absolutely delightful. And there's plants. a huge array of them. I mean, yes. I've got a really the colours and giant forms. one in the garden at home, Pandanifolia, one of the ones mm. from yes. South America with the yep. evergreen sort of yep. yucca-like leaves. Yeah, it looks like a yucca. And it's got flower spikes about four metres tall at the moment yep. and it's the most amazing-looking thing with these little buttons of dark purple on it. It's, I like the silver ones. I, yeah, mm. Miss Wilmot's Ghost is one yeah. of my favourites, and it's a great story, the naughty old Miss Wilmot wandering around through her friend's gardens with pocketfuls of seed, dumping it into the garden where she thought it should be, blow the the owner's tastes, but yeah, it's a, they're fabulous. She was plants. more important than the owners, at least in her mind. Well, <laughs> certainly she was. Yeah, so there she you go. Knew well, she must have. There's enough plants named after her. Oh, yeah. she was a brilliant plantswoman. Just yeah. a bit of a fractious personality. Yeah. See, I can understand why Ceratostigma wimeltianum never took off. It's a, <laughs> it's a great plant. It's a fantastic yeah, it autumn is. flowering blue, fantastic yep. plant. Mm. And a white one, you yep. know. Beautiful plants. Yes, yes, they, they are definitely worth growing because they're hardy. Uh, they'll cope with shade and sun. Uh, they Drought. flower late in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Drought resistant. And they're often still in masses of blue flowers when their leaves go red, which I think is a really unusual effect. You don't yeah. see that yeah. often in plants. Yeah. Uh, so I think the ceratostigma is a great plant. So it's a shame they're not being grown more, I have to say. All right, we've got about five minutes or so to go. Um, I've talked about all the plants I bought in this morning, and don't forget that they'll all be up on um, our Facebook feed and our Instagram feed for the garden show. So go in and have a look at those. Uh, we've only got a few minutes, so we better run through some of the stall holders we've got. Yeah, I think it's a good for. idea so that people get a sense of oh, what's going on. I'm going to get into big trouble. Why? What have you not done? My wife told you you had to make sure you did it. We we desperately need. Two salesmen and a gardener and a d- driver. Yes, yeah, so oh, if anybody's looking for jobs. work, yes. um, Clive is looking for, for... Two sales staff. Two sales staff and, and a drive. driver gardener. Two days a week gardening, two day, three days a week driving. All right, so Lily. it would be at Wandon or at Lilydale? Both. At both, so they'd be well, working... The sales one will be out in the road all the time, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, at either side. So just look up Romantic Nurseries or Larkman Nurseries. And give us a call or call me on my mobile, 0414242710, or come to the plant fair and just see anyone and say, <laughs> I want a job. Yeah, all right. So, that yes, I remember Di telling me about that, so I, f- I feel rather guilty. And a life I in had... horticulture is a great life. I'm getting frustrated. All these people that wait till their 30s and 40s and go, I'm going to leave the office of work in horticulture. Why don't you listen to me and just start at, start at 17 and come straight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it as you should, and that's from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, so... That's... Yes, it's a great life. I mean, especially if you are vaguely interested in, in plants because you can spend your whole life learning. And that's yes. what I love about horticulture. And sharing yeah. and having friends. Yeah. And, and every day life. all you're doing is you're making new little oxygen machines. Mm. Yep, exactly. What yes, is it? Every, every day of your life you're doing something good for the world. Yeah. yeah, so we should all be quite proud of ourselves actually as horticulturalists because mm. we are doing something worthy. Yeah. Um, 
And certainly we should be out there planting trees and planting shrubs and, and putting planting in grasses plants. and planting and perennials, not just trees, and, everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. No bare ground in your garden is a good thing. That's what I reckon. Yeah, so if you can do that, that would be fantastic. All right, so give us a, a rundown on some of the stall holders that will well, be there, Clive, because we've got another five minutes to yeah. go. Well, we've got Vaughan's native nurse, you know, Philip and Alexis Vaughan from up at the Grampians. They're oh, an yeah, amazing range stuff. of grafted yep. native plants. We've got Peter from your minor rare plants, yep. of course. <clears throat> we've got the wild rose nurse. That's Robin that does species roses and all the unusual types of roses. Uh-huh. And he's got a cafe and he does – oh, he's a funny man, does lots of different things. Urban foliage for the first time, a specialist indoor plant that has lots of you – know, she has lots of really unusual indoor plants, which is oh, really fantastic. Yeah. And seedscape seeds. They'll be there with yes. all their seeds. They do really well. And our Irish friends to drive down from Albury. Did you know that Flower and Garden Show, we went and saw them at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. They had not one plant, fertiliser, book, or nothing. Nothing. Nothing left. Goodness. I've never seen anybody sell out 100% of everything at the Flower and Garden Show. Goodness me. So they did really well. Um, PBM, I know yes. she's asked them down in, in Gippsland. He brings all his open ground and, and pot stuff, all those oh. really unusual trees we're talking about, the different trees yes. and shrubs. and great growers. They're just down the road from us. They are great people. And Christine and Will from Hancock's daffodils with all yeah. their unusual yes. daffodil bulbs. They're always great. And now is the time to be getting them. Mm. Yes, and we've got garden art fusion with their um, birds and all their garden art, which is fantastic, and vagabond with more garden art. It's just really, really good. And... Um, Fifty Shades of Hostas and Streptocarpus. Your goes to work for you, Robert, and yes. they do all the different hostas and streptocarpus. They and look. they are brilliant plants. They're oh, such Can I interrupt? Plants. We've got Graham Morrison online, and we'd better just grab him whilst we've still got time because we're going to run out of time yep. at any minute. Uh, good morning, Graham. Good, good morning, Stephen. Just, just, just a compliment to you three great speakers there. Look, uh, you know, the, the passion comes through. For, you know your your love of what, what, what you're at, and I, I can imagine you know because of the passion you've got such a wide range of things that you can talk about. And look, I'm so impressed about you wonderful people that give us people, our people gardening people. My words can't express how much I appreciate you three three people. Oh, well, that thank is you, so Graham. nice. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we, the I'm, world... I'm glowing with um, yes. pleasure at this I'm moment. I'm blushing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think the world's a better place because you've taken time to ring us, which means you love your plants as well, because mm. we wouldn't yeah. be here if you weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> Good exactly. on you, Clive. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, thank you for ringing in, and we better go, Graham, because we're getting okay. close to shut-off yep, time. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for Bye. ringing. Bye. Oh, that was very sweet of him. Yes. Um, all right. Um, we've got a couple more minutes to go. So if there's anybody else on your list that you've inadvertently oh, uh, forgotten. Well, the Salvia Study Group will be there, of course. With all oh, of course. The most passionate Salvia yeah. people. And mm. if you want to have a botanical debate about whether it's this species or that species, oh, yes. Lindy will come and have a good chat to you about her, yes. her things. And Pete and Jess will down with their begonias from White House up in up at your end oh, of the world. Oh, they are spectacular, mm. yes. And another guy with great big, just a whole pot collection of ornamental pots, which is fantastic. We're this trying is to get... sounding very expensive, Clive. I can see <laughs> I'm possibly going to spend more money than I earn. You, you do, you, you do. do. Yeah, but it's just what it is, unfortunately. It is, it's so Our much fun. Our oldest son and his wife went up to the Collector's Plant Fair in Sydney last weekend. Yes. And um, they drove, they've never been before, and they've never done a big plant show together. And they said, she said, she's Japanese. She said, it's just fantastic meeting all the other stall holders. 
yeah, all such the people. Spirit. Yeah, and she said she just loved uh, even with a ten hour drive each way, the pleasure of meeting all the other plant people. And when you and when you crowd. come to the plant fairs, you spend half your time talking to the other stallholders because they're your friends. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and a lot of, of the, the people attending are your friends because you see them at every show and everybody's oh. having fun. Yeah. Yeah, there's exactly. one lady that goes to every garden show I've ever been at, and I'm horrible with names, but you always see her there. She's she comes from up in the hills, doesn't have a car, comes on public transport, and always goes away with baskets of plants. It's oh, possibly Karen. That's it, Karen. Karen yeah. is a lovely, lovely lady. And she's oh. at every garden yep. show in Melbourne. She oh, just loves them. Yeah. We probably should try and close the program now because we've only got a few seconds to go and I've got to try and work out how to get alternative news up. Um, oh. <laughs> so we better say goodbye to everybody. Hopefully I will see you all um, up at the plant fair at Quail Road, Wandon next weekend. Bye tickets online can buy tickets online and save some money as well at the same time so thank you clive uh thank thank you meryl uh and hopefully we'll see well we will see each other up there on next weekend so bye all bye guys have a great easter yes happy easter